Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a parked car. I'm at San Jose Mineta International Airport. I think that's all the names that's associated with this airport. And this has been rumored to be the home of the Giants and rumored to be the home of the A's. And I have a feeling when all is said and done, it will be the home of the Class A California League San Jose A's or San Jose Giants and never a major league team. It's a shame. There should be a there should be a major league ballpark here. This should be the home of the A's. It's not going to be. What are you going to do? I got a flight to catch, and I was expecting a crap load of traffic today, and I didn't get piddly poo. It was clear sailing. It was the opening of Vanilla Sky. It was I Am Legend. There was nobody on the road. I was expecting it to be a traffic jam. I am here super early. So what do you do when you get to a place super early? What do you do? Do you run in, try to get an earlier flight? Do you pick up a book? What do you do? I know what I do. I sit in my car and record a podcast. Because I something I've been thinking about, and I'm going to record it, and who knows, I just may have myself a nice little evergreen podcast while I'm waiting. So, hey, I love what ifs. What ifs lead to alternate universes? That didn't come out right. It was very mush mouth of me. Let's say it with better enunciation. What ifs lead to alternate universes? Thank you. I love the concept of reality. I love the concept of what we consider to be normal and what we consider to be the unfolding of events and basically how we perceive how the universe has unfolded, what happened in the world, what's happened in in existence. And some of the things that have unfolded have done so in such a way that we almost can't even see the way that other things have reacted to it. I'm explaining what I mean by that. We say like, okay, history is unfolded in a certain way, but history could have bounced this way or could have bounced that way. You know, if Christopher Columbus was funded by the Portuguese government instead of the, the, the king of Spain then what if the Portuguese didn't give him the knee and the pinta and the Santa Maria and they gave him a, you know, a, a crappier boat and they got past the rock of Gibraltar then all of a sudden they sunk, history would have been a little different. If the wind blew a little different and instead of landing in the Caribbean, he landed on uh, uh, in Virginia, things would have been different. Or think about this, uh, Benedict Arnold. Remember Benedict Arnold? Ooh, he's a villain. He's a villain. He was almost one of the great heroes in American history. Now, he said he was part of an expedition that was going to capture Quebec. And Quebec was going to be basically the 14th colony. Quebec didn't want to be part of England. Quebec didn't want to be part of Canada. They They wanted out too. And they were going to go and invade Montreal, invade Quebec, take over the garrisons there, 
bring them aboard, and then Quebec would have been the 14th colony, would have been one of the original states. We would have a predominantly Catholic, French-speaking state in the United States. Montreal would have been an American city, not a North American city, but a city in the United States of America. And a giant snowstorm hit Canada that basically, you know, hamstrung Arnold's attack and he was repelled. If it was a mild day when Arnold and his men went to attack, Quebec would have been the 14th state and Benedict Arnold would be a great hero and probably would have been considered one of the great founding fathers in our history. Instead, he is the, a, how do we even put it? He is synonymous with betrayal. And we might still have the damn Expos. We might have the Expos. What ifs? You know, I brought this one up. What if Bud Selig had allowed uh, McCourt to buy the Red Sox instead of the John Henry Group? Oh, boy. We all saw what the McCourts did to the to the Dodgers, sent a team, one of the proudest franchises in the second biggest market in all of America, and bankrupted them. Imagine if he did that to the Red Sox. The curse of the Bambino would still be going on. Red Sox fans would be having a heart attack, or else Red Sox, you know, Boston fans would go F the Red Sox, focus on the Patriots, focus on the Celtics, focus on the Bruins. At least they win titles. And John Henry and his group would be probably still owning the Marlins. And that would be reality. That would be how we see reality. The idea of Christopher Columbus being anything but an obscure Portuguese uh, you know, uh, expedition whose three ships sunk on the Atlantic Ocean, or ben- what do you mean Benedict Arnold betraying our country? He was one of the great heroes in our country. In fact, every time you go up to Quebec, they have giant statues of him. In fact, I went to Arnold. In fact, I think it's terrible that they're renaming Benedict Arnold Stadium into Kraft Macaroni and Cheese Park because that's just big budget, big business heading into baseball. But man, the Expos, one of the great teams in one of the big cities. And I'm tired of this Northeast bias of everyone focused on Montreal. You know? But, you know, at least we all speak French now. May we. That would be reality. That's how we would see reality. And one of the what-ifs I was thinking about is one that I've talked about so many times on this podcast in terms of the reality of how it played out. And it has to do with Pete Rose. Now, I don't think there is, I don't care how many alternate universes you have. I don't care if we're in the monitor and pariah looking out and seeing the crisis on infinite earths and the antimatter going through the crisis on infinite earths. And boy, oh boy, if you understood that reference, you better respond back to me on Twitter at Sully Baseball. I don't care how many multiple earths we're in. You will never find an alternate universe in which Pete Rose is not gambling. 
because that's, again, part of who he is. But what if, what if he was a little more careful about it? Again, I'm not going to say anything. I, I just had Christopher Columbus sinking in the Atlantic Ocean, but I'm not going to stretch reality to have Pete Rose be careful, be not a gambler on baseball. That is stretching reality too much. But what if he was more careful? What if he wasn't caught? I think the tonnage of people who have gambled over the years is probably, you know, in the stratosphere. Especially in the years where players weren't making multi-million dollar contracts. But what if he was a little, what if he wasn't as careless, wasn't as cavalier, wasn't as sloppy? What if the, you know, any sort of whisper about Pete Rose would not have turned into a season-long investigation that hung like a bad storm cloud over the 1989 season and resulted in Rose's suspension and, let's face it, the death of Bart Giamatti. Think about the narrative of Pete Rose. Basically from the point when he was traded back to Cincinnati. Because remember, he got his 4,000th hit as a member of the Montreal Expos. And in this reality, we're going back to this, this version of reality where Benedict Arnold did not successfully do a conquest of Quebec. Okay, I'm not going to make this that confusing. All right. So he's traded back to the Reds. Becomes the manager of the Cincinnati Reds. And from that point, he has his greatest achievement. His greatest triumph, which is passing Ty Cobb as the all-time hit leader, which should be remembered as one of the great moments in the history of baseball, one of the great achievements, breaking one of the great records that people thought was going to stand until the heat death of the solar system. And instead, it was broken by a player with many parallels to Cobb in terms of his style of play, in terms of his desire, in terms of his hustle, and in terms of the person who had to battle some demons as well. And that moment as the player manager, and doing it with the Reds, not like getting his 4,000th hit as a member of the Expos or passing Stan Musial as the all-time National League hits leader as a member of the Phillies, but back with the Reds where he belongs the team that everyone remembers him as being part of that team, bringing the championships back to Cincinnati and all that other crap. That would be one of the great moments, one of those moments that you sort of look at and say, oh, man, that would be a do you remember where you were and what you were doing kind of moment in the history of baseball. But while that was going on, behind the scenes, he was gambling. He was the manager of the Reds, and was gambling. And as I've said a billion times before, if you bet on games that your team is playing, even if you bet on them to win, that's a bad thing. Because if you the games where you bet on them to win, all right, fine, yeah, you're playing extra hard or whatever. But what does that say about the games you don't bet on them? And what does that say about the game before and the game afterwards? There's a reason why gambling, even on your team to win, 
is forbidden in baseball. Well, he was doing that. While he was doing the thing that preserved his status as one of the all-time great legends in baseball, he was at the same time doing the thing that would lead to his downfall and disgrace, which makes him such a compelling character. What if he wasn't a sloppy? What if he wasn't betting on his own team? What if he was only betting on, I don't know, everything else? What if he was only betting on football, horse racing, judo, tennis, high lie, tiddlywinks, hungry, hungry hippos, whatever the hell else he was betting on at the time? And Yubaroff and Giamatti would look him over and say, hey, look at Pete, you're gambling a little too much. Can you assure us you're not betting on baseball? And he either covered his tracks or said, oh, man, I better not gamble on that. Now think about that moment, like the moment of Benedict Arnold. Think about what Benedict Arnold could have been, because he also fought the Battle of Saratoga. And he was the great hero of the Battle of Saratoga, which helped turn the war around. Talking about Benedict Arnold, not Pete Rose. That would have been weird if Pete Rose was the Battle of Saratoga. All Benedict Arnold had to do was not sell the plans of the chain across the Hudson River at West Point to the Brits. And he would have been, he would have died and been considered one of the great heroes in the history of the early parts of the United States. And instead he's synonymous with the villain. All Pete Rose had to do was not, or what to, to cover his tracks about betting on baseball. And people would be referring to Pete Rose. He would be one of the most beloved figures in baseball. He would be in the Hall of Fame, and he would have been in the Hall of Fame probably by 1990 or 1991. I don't exactly remember which year was his first year of eligibility, but I know it was really damn close to the time when he was suspended in 89. Let's just say it was 91. I'm sitting in my car at the airport. I'm doing this all from memory. So 91, how many, more, how many years ago was that? It's 2016. You know, for the last quarter century, Pete Rose would have been enshrined in the Hall of Fame, would have been one of those faces who was always at, the, at those events, whether it's Willie Mays, whether it's Sandy Koufax, whether it's Henry Aaron. And he would be a cherished baseball legend. But a couple other things that are worth bringing up that would have changed in that chain reaction of events that we call reality. Pete Rose was the manager of the Reds. Now, as we found out, he wasn't always thinking about putting the best team on the field as manager. What if he continued managing? Remember what happened the first full year after Pete Rose was suspended? The Reds went wire to wire and won the World Series. They did that under Lou Pinella. In 1995, the Reds made it to the League Championship Series. That was under Davey Johnson. And in 1999, they got to a play-in game with the New York Mets for the wild card, which they lost, but they had a wonderful season that year. That was under Jack McKeon. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Lou Pinella, 
Davey Johnson and Jack McKeon were all better managers than Pete Rose. Pete Rose never really showed that he was a terrific manager by any stretch of the imagination. Now, how much of that has to do with the fact that he had his mind elsewhere is up for debate. And it's one of the things that makes those years, 85, 86, 87, 88, pretty cloudy, especially in some of those years, especially 87, where I think the Reds probably had the better team. I think they were better than the Giants in 87. They probably were better than the Astros in 86. You have a better manager. Maybe they win a couple of times in the 80s. But the main point I'm making is, what if that happened? What if he was allowed to stay? There was no investigation. There was just sort of like, ah, Pete, yeah, he bets on the ponies. And it becomes kind of a colorful detail about his life. You know, kind of like Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth getting drunk and having sex with lots of women. Oh, yeah, Pete, he loves to gamble. He loves to gamble. Doesn't bet on baseball. But, man, he loves the ponies. He bets on football. He bets on you know, uh, uh, badminton. And I get, that's up. Can't, can't stop Pete. You know, he's got a gamble. And that would be a little colorful detail. And along the way, we have Pete Rose as a thoroughly mediocre manager. And we don't have the Reds winning the world series in 1990. And we don't have them making the postseason in 1995. And the fact that the, Reds won the division in 1995 and won a World Series in 1990, I believe played big parts in Barry Larkin's Hall of Fame candidacy. Barry Larkin won the MVP in 1995, it was a big part of the championship team in 1990. That was huge in his resume. I don't think those happen if Pete Rose is the manager. No, Sully, why would they, the Reds keep using Pete Rose as the manager because Pete Rose would have been untouchable. You would not have been able to do, he would have been the greatest star in the history of Cincinnati, a native of Cincinnati who led them to two championships as a player and is the all-time hit leader. He would be untouchable. To say, you can't fire Pete Rose. You have people who think he's untouchable now. And we know what he did. And every time I do anything on Pete Rose, there's this never-ending and frustrating and take your face and grab a rake and smash it together explanation to people who say, yeah, well, he never bet him to lose, you stupid idiot. And steroids are worse than this. And that. all the, the bullshit arguments you hear, I mean, that's knowing that Pete Rose did it. Can you imagine the way they defend him? Well, you got to go with Pete. Pete's off and Charlie Hustle. And the other thing would have happened was A. Bartlett Giamatti. Look at Bart Giamatti was never the epitome of health. I don't think he ever would have been Mr. Universe. But I have a feeling, and people around, you know, the the... I know correlation does not equal causation, but the fact he dropped dead of a heart attack shortly after the end of all this Pete Rose nonsense, makes me think that probably weighed on him a little bit. You had a strong 
man as a potential commissioner of baseball, Giamatti, to weather the storm of the post-collusion, pre-strike mess that was baseball that led to the 1994 strike and led to the steroid era. Instead, you had Faye Vincent, who a grand total of zero people liked, who was the wrong guy at the right at the wrong time, which led to Bud Selig. And imagine this looks like what do you mean Bud Selig? You mean the owner of the Brewers? Him as the commissioner of baseball? Please, like Giamatti would ever let that happen. That would have been reality. Well, what have been reality is people look at the Reds and I, I can't believe Pete Rose is still the manager of the Reds. They haven't been good in years. And Reds fans said, you can't fire Pete, it's Pete's team. Molding it after Pete. And the other thing that would happen is that Pete would be beloved and certainly the biggest uh, star in the history of Cincinnati. But it would no longer be a cause celeb. No longer be a cause celeb. Notice that when you go to Cooperstown, you see all the greats who are there, Frank Robinson, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, they're all still there. You know, when we lose an Ernie Banks, we lose a Yogi Berra, we lose a, a uh, Monty Irvin like we did last year, or Ralph Kiner as we did a few years before that. Pete would just be one of them. There'd be no need for Pete to set up shop and have cameras covering him. Here's Pete Rose setting up shop in Cooperstown looking for autographs during the ceremony. No. He'd be like, no, here's Pete along with everyone else. Which is part of the reason I feel that Pete wants to remain suspended. It's better for business. When was the last time Willie Mays was in the news? When was the last time Hank Aaron was in the news? Seriously. We love them. We love Hank. We love Willie. But the next time they're in the news is probably when they go. And now Pete's life is more, oh, I don't know, relevant. Because we're still debating him. The debate over Willie Mays ended ah, a little bit ago. A little bit ago. But think of the alternate universe we could have lived in. One where Pete's a beloved Hall of Famer and a mediocre manager. One where Bart Giamatti is a strong commissioner at the exact moment where that's what we desperately needed as baseball fans, and one where someone like Barry Larkin is a darling of the statistical crowd but doesn't have the sexy things on his resume to make his Hall of Fame case. I love alternate realities. I do. And the one I just listed, I don't know. There's some good parts to it. So go to sullybaseball.com, go to mlbreports.com to see the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. You can like me on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. You can be old school, send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Sitting in my car at the airport, thinking about how the universe could have unfolded differently. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for, well, whatever the hell date I post this, and... I forgot. I, I totally got. I totally got hamstrung. And do you know what? I'm not going to cut that out. Oh, Pete. Oh, Benedict. What could have been? And you can call me Sully.